0: Amen. The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And correction is actually from the epistle lesson, 1 Corinthians 13. Sorry. To give you a little bit of a background on this text, it's important to know and be familiar with the themes of 1 Corinthians. See, the church in Corinth was fighting. They fought about anything and everything they could think about to fight. This is why at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians, you have Paul directly addressing the issue of divisions. There are those who said they followed Apollos, those who said they followed Paul, those who said they followed Cephas, who is Peter, and there are those who said they followed Jesus. Now, Paul did not take issue with the fact that they said that they were students of individuals, especially not being students of Jesus. The issue was, there's a reason it was in the order that it was. It was basically like, hey, my teacher is Apollos. They're like, oh yeah, my teacher's Paul. Oh yeah, mine's Peter. Oh yeah, mine's Jesus. Beat that. Basically what was going on. It's all about their ego and pride. And so this was a story of Corinth. This is the same reason why the 1 Corinthians is the book of the Bible where you'll find the passages dealing with closed communion. Because communion, common union, is a celebration in the unity of the body of Christ. And so this is why Paul addresses it to a church that is divided. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where he specifically addresses what it means to be the body of Christ. He says that the eye cannot say to the ear that I don't need you. If the entire body were an ear, where would be the sense of smelling? See, this is all of the issues that were going on in that church. So keep that in your mind as we go th- look at 1 Corinthians 13. But before we even dig into it, it's also helpful to note that 1 Corinthians 13 there is one person that is perfectly embodied what that chapter says. And you can guess who the answer to that is is Jesus. See Jesus is the one who could speak the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. He, was a, he is the source of all knowledge, mysteries, and prophecies. He is the faith itself. He gave up his very body unto death in the name of love. In fact, as we read, you read in 1 John, it says that God is love. And so it's quite appropriate to say, when you read love is patient, is to read Christ is patient. Christ is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Love and no record of wrongs. Think of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Christ does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, for he is the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Christ never fails. See, Jesus is love. God is love. Jesus is God. We, read, we know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or Romans 5, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, so often we wake up in the morning and we look into the mirror and we wonder, what, is there, what can anybody like about me? Or we look at all the things that are wrong in our lives. And here's the thing is, that when we look at ourselves to find what's lovely, reason for God to love us, we are looking in the wrong direction. We shouldn't be looking at ourselves, we should be keeping our eyes on Christ. To give you an analogy, if I were to offer to sell to you a choice between an Apple iPhone or an iPhone that was created by some guy I ran, ran into down the street, whose name I don't know. Which one do you want to take? I'm guessing you're going to go with the Apple one, because that name has a meaning to it. See, so you don't have the name of Apple put on you. You have the name of God because you were created by God. That alone gives you incredible value. Furthermore, Jesus died on the cross for you. There is nothing you could think, do, or say that could ever change God's attitude regarding you. He loves you so much that he died for you. You know, I was thinking as I look at 1 Corinthians 13, as it is that love chapter, it's a chapter that is... If you go into stores, you could find it on all kinds of plaques and <clears throat> different forms of art, but usually it is written in relationship to romantic relationships, the relationship between a man and a woman. But I could tell you that is a much too narrow view of this passage. And that can be evidenced by the way First Corinthians begins. See, I think, when you think about how we celebrate, val- you know, 12 days, or 11 days from now, Valentine's Day, Keep it, write it down, it's something you need to remember. But in 11 days, when I think about Valentine's Day, I believe that when we were kids, we celebrated much closer to 1 Corinthians 13 than we do as adults, as an adult, as a 36-year-old single guy, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I celebrate Singles Awareness Day. When I'm, when I'm young, but when you were younger, everybody had to get their little, their little Valentine's cards. And who, who did you have to give them to? Everybody in the class. At least that's the way it was when I was a kid. And see, 1 Corinthians 13 is not, a, is not Paul telling you how to love your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. It's telling you how you are to love everybody. Every single person you are in contact with. Now, primarily, it's to every Christian. But really, how, can you easily tell on the street if somebody's a Christian, unless they have a cross on their necklace or something, around their neck or something? That means you, it is everybody. Consider what 1 John 4, 7-11 to says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Perhaps it could be for Valentine's Day, but really it should be for every day of our lives. We live in a world that is so filled with anger and vitriol towards one another. I mean, look at your social media, if you're on social media. How many negative posts are filled, is it filled with? I mean, yeah, we get those cute little cat videos or photos here and there. We get some funny stuff. But in order to get through that, we have to read so much bad. What if, we were to act, what if we lived in a world of 1 Corinthians 13? How would it be? It begins with the first step. Be in God's Word. You know, I hear people say, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to spend time in your Bible. You just need to love people. Let me explain to you why that, doesn't, that isn't actually a good theory. A man, today is the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is going to play in his eighth Super Bowl. Did you know that in order for him to be, do that, he, and by the way, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, so I begrudgingly say good things about say, uh, cheer, celebrating things he does well. But do you know, did you know that he doesn't decide, yeah, I just want to go play a football game, just runs out on the field, picks up a football, says, hey, guys, I'll just throw it to you where you're at, that's where I'm going to throw it. Did you know they actually have, to, they have a huge playbook? He has, to be, he has to know it by heart. He, has to, he watches hours upon hours of game footage. It takes a lot of work off the field in order to do the work on the field. To say that we are going to love without being familiar with love himself is nonsense. You cannot effectively love apart from Christ. Christ is the source of love. That is why we are in his word. If you have somebody that makes sure that you know God's word, whether it was a parent, a grandparent, a friend, whoever, Know that that is the most loving thing that that person has ever done for you. To make sure that you know Jesus. And you know all about him. And by the way, when you get confirmed, you're not done learning. There is still high school Bible classes. There's adult Bible classes. There are many opportunities to keep learning God's word. For the sake of yourself and for the sake of others. The Apostle Peter in his epistle says, Be sure to be ready to give, be prepared to give an answer for the reason of the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. How do you be prepared? You are in his word. That is how how God equips us to love. That is how he gives us his love. We receive the Lord's Supper. In the bread, in the wine, is love Himself. We taste and touch love it Himself. And we receive forgiveness and we receive life. I don't know if you notice it, right after, we, right after the Lord's Supper, we always have a prayer of thanksgiving. And more often than not, we have something in there. Like in the old liturgy, we'd always say we pray that we would have a fervent love for one another. Does that sound like familiar words? See, the Lord's Supper, by it, God forgives us, washes us, fills us with love himself, and he empowers us and equips us so that we may love others. And see, that is why we also pray. Pray that God would strengthen us To be in fervent love for one another. And so, just as we cannot love without reading God's word, if we are in God's word and go out the door and act like nothing ever happened, we are exactly the way 1 Corinthians 13 warned. You may have faith that can move mountains, but if you do not have love, you are nothing. You could have all knowledge, all mysteries, all prophecies. You could speak in all different kinds of languages. And if you do not have love, you are but a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. So how are we to live differently? Think about it after you get done with church. You're gonna get, you may get into a vehicle. How do you drive? Do you drive as if The people in the other vehicles are people created and loved by God. Do you you drive with love? Or do you drive with self-seeking? Do we drive in patience and kindness? Not Not only for those in other vehicles, but even for yourself and those in your vehicle? those who depend on you, do you drive in love? Do you, in your families, in your workplace, are you keeping record of wrongs? Are you telling people, hey, I remember what you did two months ago and I'm keeping records, like you did this on that date and that date and that date. Are you keeping record of wrongs? That is not how we are to love. Or perhaps tonight you're watching the Super Bowl. And if you're like me, you're cheering against the Patriots. But at the end, if, during the game, if something does not go the way you want it, what are the words that you use? It's so tempting to say, I hate Tom Brady or whatever. I pick him because I haven't found too many people that really hate the Rams. So I'm picking on that direction. Should we not? We are to watch what we say, because he indeed, even though you never met him, he is indeed a human being. Or you go to a height, you go to a school sporting event, and you watch those student athletes. Out and by the way, note student athletes, which means they're not professional athletes. So when you're stand, you're in the stands, and the referee makes a call that you don't really like. Don't be... How do you act that it communicates patience and kindness? I've been to plenty of games where people do not act exactly in the patient or kind way. And by the way, if you're really good at refereeing, the state of Iowa is desperate for high school refs, so step up if you think you got it better. But anyways. (laughs) Or perhaps there's a player that doesn't play quite the way you'd like, what are the words that you use? Or better yet, hold back your tongue. Or if a coach makes a decision you don't like, again, what are the words you say? Why not choose words of encouragement? Why not celebrate what is done well instead of always focusing on what we don't like? Or perhaps on Valentine's Day, what if you did celebrate it like a kid? You don't have to, I mean, if you want to, you could go grab those little cards. They're cheap. But what if you chose, just came up with people that you work with? Even that person you really can't stand every now and then. And you made the decision to write something that you love about them, that you like about them, and let them know. Imagine if we were like that in our world. What if we loved as 1 Corinthians 13 commanded? The reality is, as you read that text, it is a call for us to be different because they they will know we are Christians by our love, that old song says. That is how they see us, is our love for one another. But the thing is, as we read those words, just as it was for the people in Corinth, they are also words of condemnation. Because in the end, you will fail. You'll fail over and over again. Which is why if you're going to carry out a 1 Corinthians 13 Valentine, the thing that you need to do over and over again is come before the throne of grace. Come to love himself. Confess of your sin. Confess that you have not loved your neighbor. Loved your neighbor as yourself. And every time he says, you are forgiven, he shows his hands and his side, showing this is how much I loved you. This is how I've forgiven you. Now go out and serve in my name. Until he comes, in Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith, to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.